I thought, well, let's try this, shall we, and see what happened. And it was probably the biggest disaster you could ever know to man. Every day. <laughs> Hi, I'm Brooke Melhouse. Welcome to Disabled and Proud, the podcast that does exactly what it says on the tin. Each week, the show highlights an awesome disabled guest speaking about their own disability, why they're proud to be disabled, and why they're proud to be themselves. Ian, welcome to Disabled and Proud. How are you today? Thank you very much for having me. I'm really good and I'm very excited to be talking to you. So thank you for inviting me along. Honestly, I know I've already said this off camera, but I'm so excited to talk to you about disability and food. They're my two favourite topics to talk about. Food, because I love food. And disability because it's my life. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. It's the same for me. It's just they're just two things that have made me probably the happiest I've ever been, um, despite everything that's changed over over the years. But yeah, I, I mean, disability and food, just the best. Oh my god, I love it. I'm honestly, I'm so excited to talk to you about it because I think you're going to have loads of handy tips and tricks that <laughs> I never in a million years would have thought of. So that's what I'm. That's what I'm really hoping to get out of this conversation. <laughs> Well, let's go for it. You pick my brain and it'll all come flooding out. It's fine. (laughs) Amazing. So the first question that I like to ask every single guest is, how do you refer to your disability? So there are two answers to this question, if that's all right. (laughs) If someone asks me that question who doesn't know necessarily what what I'm living with, I'll I'll call it a a neurophysical disability because... Mm -hmm. They can see my walking stick, but they can't see the rest. And and I yeah. think it just helps them to understand that it's outside and in. Mm-hmm. For me, I, I I've got this. You probably think I've got a bit mad, but it's a rugby ball. Yeah. Um, and and I I use I used to play loads of rugby when I was younger, and I, I can't do it now. But the rugby ball to me is is my disability because mm-hmm. for a while I used to just hold on to it like this and just yeah. protect it. And then I thought, hang on, no, you're playing rugby here, my friend. Get get that ball out, look, get your head up and have a look what's around you and try and score. So this now has become a symbol of my strength uh, and, and what I'm going to do with this, this ball that is my disability. I'm going to I'm going to beat everyone and I'm going to score a try. So that's what that's how I look at it. I honestly could as someone who spends their life in like the sporting area and sporting field, I could not love that analogy more because I think it's such a sport particularly when you play it there's a particular yeah. mindset that comes along with playing sport and a particularly team sport and now if you're not a team yeah. sports person or sports not really your interest this like next section is probably not going to interest you but there is a very particular mentality when it comes to being a sports person and it's not about how much you can physically do but it's about your mentality of wanting to win and wanting to play the best game that you can play and yeah. working in a team so I love that that the idea that you held on to it, because that's what I would call like a selfish player, someone who holds on to the ball or holds on to yeah. like whatever it is that you're doing. But yeah. being able to pass it around and spread it is usually when teamwork happens and that's when you can score or try or whatever, depending on what sport it is. And so I couldn't love that analogy more that actually your disability now is about passing it around to other people and showing them yeah. what can be done and what can be achieved without it being like, I'm doing this because I'm super inspirational. It's yeah. I'm doing this because this is going to help someone else. Absolutely. And, and it is a team game. And that's exactly what it's all about. And it's one of the things I've learned so much. And it's going to come through time and time again today. I'm sure, you know, I, I was very selfish with my, you know, I, I sort of crumbled up and, and the outside world didn't didn't necessarily matter as much. 
Yeah. And, and now it's like, a, no, hang on. You know, there is a world around you and, and they want to share with you and you want to share with them. So, yeah, this ball and and my my kids, whenever they see me and I'm a bit low, they'll just grab this and throw it at me and go, Dad, rugby. And I'll go, yeah, good point. And then we're off. So, yeah. Oh, I on, on, honestly love that so, so much because for me, that makes sense in my brain. And I'm like, yeah, I completely understand that. Like, <laughs> that's, that's a good way of looking at it. <laughs> so interestingly, I think it's always really interesting to talk to people who, like, I don't want to say develop, but that is the word that I'm going to use, develop yeah. their disability through life. Because for yeah. you, and now correct me if I'm wrong, but you acquired your disability, you weren't born disabled. Correct. And so childhood for you would be pretty normal. And like I say mm. normal in like inverted commas, because what is normal anyway? Like yeah. normal doesn't really exist. It's this thing that society's made up. But what was it like for you transitioning from being someone who was non-disabled to then suddenly being like, oh, I, I do have a disability and this is how it's now going to impact my life. What was that like, you know, turning point like for you? It, it was very difficult, being, to be honest with you. I um, I was in my sort of mid to late thirties, and yeah. we we um, I was married, and we just had a, a a daughter, and we were living in a on a, another island um, with my work, and things started to sort of creep slowly. Worse, so my health was deteriorating, not to the point where you would go, oh gosh, you know, it was just yeah. things were chipping away, and then it was after maybe a couple of years that it just dropped and it dropped like a stone mm -hmm. and at that point that was really hard to deal with because there didn't seem to be anyone who could help with everything that was going on yeah it was almost like we can do this bit or we can do an operation or we can plug you into this or we can give you that but no one was looking at the whole thing mm -hmm. and that was really hard not just for me but for my family because they didn't understand and I didn't understand what was going on and all they saw was me getting more and more insular and, and yeah. more sort of frustrated with the world and so that was really tough to deal with and that lasted for a number of years I call them the groundhog years because they just yeah. went around you know the same thing was happening over and over again and I was just not functioning so that it was really tough to deal with with it with a young family and, and not yeah. just for me for my, my wife and the children as well so that point where it dropped was probably the worst bit but then the years after where nothing really seemed to get any better yeah. it was really tough and it was only really when when I um went to the Bath uh, pain center for a, a residential program that all of a sudden someone was going right let's look at this everything let's help you understand what's going on here mm -hmm. and that's when suddenly it was like oh okay I've got this I understand and that's where this came in because it was like right I need to look forward not not down not down yeah and Correct me if I'm wrong, but you, is it functional neurological disorder, which yeah. is really, really difficult to diagnose if I'm correct, because yeah. it's neurological. And a lot of, I know a lot of people who have a diagnosis of, was it functional FND? Yeah. Yeah. That was like, look at, look at that. My brain had to work then. <laughs> But because it's so difficult to diagnose, I also know a lot of people who were accused by doctors of faking it because it's it can be quite random in how yeah. it affects people and it doesn't affect two people the same. And I was wondering, because the women, that well, I've just literally just given myself away there, but the people that I've spoken to have all been women who have all been called yeah. either mass hysterical or like faking it. And I was just wondering, yeah. 
because you are male, I was wondering what was that experience like for you? Because obviously women in healthcare, there is a bit of a problem there, but I've never actually spoken to a male who's had functional neurological disorder. And I wondered, like, did you have a similar experience? What was that like? Yeah, and it's interesting you say that about the, the the women and men thing. I am a bit of an oddity. There aren't that many. I mean, I think it's about 10% mm-hmm. male to female in this, which doesn't, and it doesn't change how it affects you. It's just yeah. that seems to be the way it goes. And I think that in one sense made it harder because mm-hmm. um, people were looking at me going, well, it can't be that because that's, you know, that's, he's a man. That can't be then. Yeah. But I, I found the, the, you know, very much, exactly as you say because symptoms would come and then they go and then I'd have another one they go and then I'd have another one and I'd be in and out of the doctors all the time and they'd be like well you know you're fine we've done a brain scan we've done this there's nothing wrong with you I know there's something wrong yeah my hand started shaking my leg doesn't work and I've I've just gone to walk somewhere and I've completely frozen solid that Mm -hmm. isn't normal yeah and and even when you get eventually referred referred to and it takes months and months and months and months to get to someone a neurologist who does understand these sort of things there doesn't seem to be another a next part which says here's a program to help you yeah it's it's almost like yeah you've got it well done we've diagnosed you now (laughs) now go live with it it's like what yeah (laughs) so yeah it's very I think it's one of those it just never seems to get to a point where you feel like Okay, I've got I I've got this picture now. It never yeah. seems to happen. And the more I talk to people who live with F and D or any neurological disorders, mm-hmm. they seem to have similar uh, sort of stories about because these things don't just say you've got a broken leg, let's fix your leg. Yeah, it's it's very much a, we don't really know, um, and it's a process of elimination almost to get there. And all those tests and things you go through just make things worse. So it's yeah. not a particularly pleasant, pleasant experience, yeah. I have to say. It is. It's such an interesting one, isn't it? Because I always say this, whether you require a disability or whether you're born disabled, you don't actually get like a handbook that's like, <laughs> you're now in the club. Welcome. Yeah. Here are some rules and regulations. This might help you. This might not help you. Look at yeah. subsection C. If this is what you've got a diagnosis of, this will really help you out. That doesn't exist. No. Like, none of that happens for you. And it is very much a case of, adapting to this world around us that isn't built for us but in a term that's going to work best with you because as we all know disability is incredibly individual you could have the exact same diagnosis on a piece of paper and how it affects you is worlds and worlds apart and I always find it super interesting particularly talking to people who have acquired their disability that the support that they think they're going to get is never the support that they do get because yeah. it doesn't exist. Like we haven't quite figured out as a society how to help people who are non-disabled transition to being disabled in a way that makes them feel like they're loved and they're welcomed and actually like everything's going to be okay. Because it can kind yeah. of be like a sentence where it's like, yeah, you've now got this. Bye. Without actually thinking of the consequences that's yeah. going to happen afterwards. Absolutely. And it's not just the consequences on you, it's on your family, on your your friends, everything, because it, it all gets impacted. Yeah. Um, and I totally agree with you. I think from, you know, this I'm talking 10, 15 years ago when this all started happening and, and getting sort of to the point where I I could go onto the internet and I couldn't find anyone really that was there that would say, yeah, we can come join us now. Yeah. You know, 
the, the, there are charities and organisations that, that, but they're being they're self help. They're not set up by the health service or the health. They're set up by people who live with it, yeah. which is great. And so having those opportunities now to be able to go and talk to people who've got something similar is is wonderful. Mm-hmm. But there just doesn't seem to be any sort of coordinated approach to it. Yeah. Uh, you know, as you say, and you know, you get diet. I remember when I got my my FND diagnosis. I got the letter through with this big long letter about we've done all these scans, blah, 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 blah. next steps, look up fnd.co.uk. And that was it. <laughs> like, okay. Wow. Thanks very much. <laughs> so it's like, okay. Um, and that's where it was. Yeah. And you think, crikey, you know, what? And, it, and what that does, it, al- it almost diminishes your feeling of what you're living with. It makes it feel like it's not not important or not you know not worthy of having something and even though that's not the case but it may it does impact you a bit negatively when you've gone through all those yeah. tests and and everything to suddenly get here's a website <laughs> yeah I can, wow. yeah I can completely empathize with that because I think having to go through like rings and hoops to to get diagnosis or, or, you know, like, and this works out across the spectrum, really, regardless yeah. of whether it's disability or not. Like when you've got to jump through hoops and you've got to do tests and turn up for appointments and, and then you get, you know, this piece of information at the end and then, then, then there's no support. It's, it's like jumping off a cliff without a bungee because yeah. there's, there's no support net because it doesn't exist. No. And people and don't it, know how to approach it. In a strange way, though, I'm glad it happened like this mm-hmm. because it's made me more determined than ever to to get to create something that will help people. Mm-hmm. Because if I hadn't gone through that, I think I wouldn't have appreciated as much as I do how soul destroying and independently it can be to not know what I can do or what I can't do. So you automatically think I can't do most things, yeah, because that's what you think. But mm-hmm. if you but now I think having gone through that and understanding those how I felt. Mm-hmm. If I can, if you can help other people when they're at that stage or when they're at the, you know, the longer stage of knowledge, it's a wonderful thing. But I couldn't have done it if I hadn't gone through all of that in the first place. So, yes, it was torture for the family and me, but I wouldn't be doing this now with you if this hadn't, if I hadn't gone through that. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's, that's also the thing, isn't it? Is that, yes, we would love to have that support, but I'm also a massive believer in like hard times make you a better person, which, yeah can be quite an unpopular phrase to say, particularly in the disabled community, because that can upset a lot of people. But I stick with my guns. I'm a big believer in like going through shit makes you stronger. It does. Like, and that's scientifically proven. If you want, I can send you the research. (laughs) It's it's a it's a fact. I I Um, agree with you. I think at the time you think this can't be for any good, but actually when you start to be able to look backwards with more fondness than you used to, yeah, you realise that actually because of all of that, I'm in a much stronger place than I because I can I know where I've come from and I know what I'm doing now is trying to help people at that at that stage, which is it's a joyous thing to be able to do. So and and it is a bit selfish too because it helps me as well. So you know I I feel great for helping people. So it's good. You know it's a win win. 
Yeah, but I think that's I think that's the best way to be, really. Like, if you can feel good for helping other people, then like you've done an amazing job. Like, I don't care what you do. Like, you've made someone else yeah. feel good, and in turn, that makes you feel good, and that comes back to neuroscience. And again, I can send you the research on it. <laughs> like, well, that's it, just how the is. human brain works. Yeah, I mean, I spent the, most of my career in in financial services doing lots of hard work for other people, and for mm. but no one I ever saw any getting any reward for it and it was just a it was a job it was just yeah. the thing you went to do and I thought that was the career but and obviously that that all changed but now I'm able to do I don't call it a job because I it's it's just something I love doing and yeah so yeah it, it is it's all about I think about how you look at things and how you you know how if you'd asked me this 10 years ago I'd have given you a very different answer but that's just the journey you go I hate the journey word but you, you know it's this that path it where is. you go on yeah. Um, so, yeah. Honestly, this is the most seamless transition ever because I'm about to ask you. Oh my God. Honestly, like pat myself on the back and actually you because <laughs> we've kind of merged this in together. It's actually so good. So, the next thing that I like to go on to talk about is how has your disability impacted your career? And which for you, this honestly, like, listen to how seamless that transition was. <laughs> we're about to talk about financial services, and then we're going to get yeah. into what you do now. And I'm not going to yeah. say what it is because I want you to wax lyrical about it because I love food. <laughs> so, yeah. floor is open for you. How did it? How did it impact your career? And how has it gone on to do what you do now? Well, my career basically stopped. You know, I'd, I'd worked in financial services all around the world and, and, and I grew up in the Isle of Man. So they, it's either financial services or farming. And I went to financial services. Yeah. Um, and then that was sort of my, my life. It's how I met my wife. It's how, you know, it's got so many good things about it. But it, in the end, it did contribute to me, to my not being well. Um, mm -hmm. But after I had to give up work but because I just couldn't, couldn't do it anymore with all the therapy and things and then um it was someone asked me a big question what you know what is it you want and I said what <laughs> he said what do you want and I said well I just want to be more visible to my family I want to be a bit upright and I want to be available for them because I've yeah. missed so many things um and cooking was my thought process because I'd always loved it but not not really to the point of oh, this is marvellous, but I just enjoyed yeah. cooking. My mum was a wonderful cook and it just was in me. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, let's try this, shall we, and see what happens. And it was probably the biggest disaster you could ever known to man. <laughs> Everything went wrong and nothing worked because my my brain wasn't working the same. My mm -hmm. body wasn't working how it used to work. Yeah. Um, so I'd open a cookbook and nothing, I just couldn't understand it. It wasn't computing. I'd get halfway through it and realise I should have turned the oven on a half an hour ago. And those things, when you're living with these, they just completely throw you off the off the edge. Mm -hmm. So it's, I can't do this. I can't. I can't just open the fridge and look and go, "Oh, let's make that." It just wasn't. It wasn't there. there. Um, so my wife said to me, "Well, are there ways that you think you could cook?" And I said, "Well, nothing really seems to be set up in the kitchen. It's just full of." I say, <laughs> "So it's like it's full of sort of sharp." hot, pointy, heavy things, which aren't really great for people when you've got limb weakness or, or yeah. brain conditions, et cetera, because it's set up to be dangerous. Um, <laughs> and, and not many people can afford to have a, you know, a really, you know, wonderful kitchen that's all sort of set up. Yeah. So it's like, well, there's just so many things. And it starts before you even get in the kitchen. You don't, you start to 
catastrophize everything about, oh, no, it's going to go horribly wrong. I'm going to burn it. It's going to be a disaster. Yeah. And it was like, well, what, why don't you write a cookbook then? And I was like, yeah, all right, okay. And yeah, good, said, no, good joke. One. And I said, all right. <laughs> so so I, I, I had loads of sort of recipes and things that I'd done in the past, but I'd never really written them down. So I started writing them down. And when I wrote them down, I realized that they, they didn't look anything like a cookbook that I have. They were written in a way that was structured very differently. And it was like, because that's how I wanted to see it. And I thought, well, actually, this is quite, quite different. And I felt so happy when I was first able to cook something. And it was nothing much. It was just something. And the fact, and my family were like, yay, look what you've done. <laughs> and it was like, I don't know, that's amazing. And that flood of joyous sort of feelings like, Wow, maybe if it helped me, maybe it might help someone else. Yeah. So I took the book and had I self-published it in the end because I couldn't find anyone who was sort of interested in it. You know, I'm I'm not a celebrity chef. Uh, <laughs> um yeah. but I self-published the book Cookfulness and it came out and I thought, well, that's the end of that then. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I was in BBC Good Food magazine in their making a difference section. It was like, wow, what's what? Yeah. <laughs> and, and it just kept going and it was just people asking to talk about the book and why was the book and then it's like yeah I love talking about the book but what am I going to do with this now mm-hmm. and it was uh, a place a thing called footsteps festival who do an online sort of um presence for people living with chronic pain they said will you do like a little cooking program for us and I said, okay so I turned the book into something visible and real and, uh-huh. and, and it was awful to start with I was terrible it was really really bad because I didn't you know I was very shy very nervous I didn't know what to do but actually then people start saying this is really helpful thanks very much and like, oh, okay let's see if anyone else wants this and it just yeah. grew from from there that now the book sort of was the platform to now be doing cooking demonstrations and programs for charities and hospitals and you know yeah. last week I was doing one to the FND um, hope community in in America, Canada, and the UK, all on online. It's yeah, like, this is mad. But it's all about. It's not just the the art, the, the the cooking bit. It's the whole bit around it. The the pre, the during, and the after about mm-hmm. how you can mentally prepare yourself. How how you as well as smart equipment that you can get, smart ingredients, how you can use things. So you said it right at the beginning. Every day is different. Mm-hmm. So what I can cook today, I probably can't do tomorrow. Yeah. And how do you, but how can you, is there a way to do that? And I, so I've developed all these ways that hopefully will allow you to cook every single day, but how I cook it today could be very different to how I do it tomorrow, mm-hmm. but that's all great. And you, and that's brilliant. And there's no shame in using things like frozen ingredients or tubes and paste and whatever. They're there for a very good reason and they help you. So if they help you use them <laughs> and, yeah. and so now this whole thing of, teaching people how to not just how to cook because people know that some a lot of people know how to cook they just don't know if they can cook or mm-hmm. if they don't feel safe um and so it's just providing that whole program of thoughts about a of, of packaged approach to say there's not one answer to this there's quite yeah. a few and if i can share that with you and you can go away and actually say i've just made something it's just it's the best thing ever so yeah i'm now from being financial services i'm now a, a, a cook who's, who's sharing hints and tips and cooking programs and things for for anyone who wants to listen so yeah it's amazing yeah and i think what's so important about what you do and we hear about it all the time is how important cooking and food is for us and like 
I am absolutely someone who is highly affected by what they eat. Like highly, highly affected. I know if I don't have enough vegetables or if I don't have like my correct diet, I will be an asshole. Like that's yeah. just like a fact. Like I'm not very good if I don't eat, like I'm yeah. get really cranky. I'm also not very good if I have too much like processed quick food, like that's really bad for me. Yeah. And I think particularly with disabled people and as a community and as a group of people, food is actually so, so important because our bodies don't work the same. Sometimes our minds aren't wired the same. And food is that, it's that thing that brings everybody together, isn't it? And so when you don't feel like you can take part in something that is so vital for our human existence and you as a person, you're giving that space to people to be able to be like, actually, you you can do this. And do you know what? Like, it's going to look a bit different, might taste yeah. a bit different, but it's mm -hmm. all going to work the same. Isn't that like one of the best things that you can do because awesome. you're making it accessible for everyone? Yeah, it's just the most amazing thing. And if I'm doing a program and then the next week they, they're on and someone says, I, I actually, I had this the other week, someone said to me, I actually uh, cooked a meal. Mm -hmm. It was not the most, you know, it wasn't a difficult thing, but for her it was. And she yeah. made this thing and she said, and I actually sat at the dining table for the first time in four years and ate it. And I was just like, that's just, it's, it's yeah. just hugely rewarding. And when you said at the beginning, one of the first things I try and help people with is that cooking can be just functional. It can just be something that you have to do and therefore you're not going to enjoy it. And it could be that you just, as you say, you have to create X, Y, Z vegetables or whatever to, to make, to, to allow you to live. Yeah. So what I say to people is that that's absolutely fine. But what we need to do is come back a step and say, if I can make cooking a really key part of your day so not the bit you squeeze into all the other things that you're trying to do yeah because cooking when you're disabled or chronic illness is just as hard as anything else is so mm -hmm. why do you squish it into the other things that are your sort of I, I need to do these things today make it one of those things because then it becomes more of a yeah look what I've achieved and actually I'm giving it the time that it needs as opposed to the squish it in and then everything gets on top of you and you get really angry with it. Whereas if you make it something that's really important of your every day and celebrate the hell out of it because you've made something, it starts to change how you see cooking because it's 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 something that you it's very hard to do. Mm. And just as going shopping or doing the hoovering is, it's just it's it's very difficult. So make it one of those big things. And as soon as we get that mindset changed, then you can start to work on the sort of adapted skills and flexibilities that go in that so yeah I start almost way before we even get to the food yeah but I love that because it's an approach to cooking that we might not necessarily have heard of before because you know like I very much grew in a, up in a generation where like Jamie Oliver was on the tv and it was all about like banging things in a pot as quickly as you yeah. can to get the like best meal for your time type thing you know and actually there's something really beautiful in taking time out to eat and to cook because actually they sustain life like it does you yeah. you know unless you are fed through a, like a peg then you know food is a very very vital part of your day and you're right why should we squeeze something that is vital for us into like 15 minutes when actually yeah. we need to be thinking like more long-term more longevity that actually it's it's about creating a space a that makes you feel comfortable enough to be in it because actually cooking can be quite inaccessible yeah. But be like 
giving you a sense of pride at the end of it because actually you've made this for yourself and it's like I hate to say this because it is quite cringe but it is an act of self-love like you're mm-hmm. giving yourself that time that space that nourishment to support yourself to carry on and I think oh, I love this oh, I feel so like warm and fuzzy <laughs> I mean that's what I want people to feel about cooking because mm-hmm. Even making a piece of toast is cooking, and that's really hard, you know, to to actually do that. So every little thing you do, celebrate the hell out of it, and and make sure everyone around you shares that with you. Because yeah. To to understand how difficult that is for you to have done it, if we can start to sort of chip away at the layers of insecurity and and catastrophizing that go on, because I I did them myself for many many years, and I still do them every single day. Yeah. But actually. The more you feel that it was an experience that you loved, mm-hmm. then the more you're going to want to do it even more. And I, I, I sort of say you can't, I don't think you can jump straight into nutritional cooking because if you don't want to cook, you're never going to cook nutritionally because yeah. it's something that you go, well, hang on, it's all got weird things in it. So if we can create a space where you feel that cooking is the most wonderful thing, you're more likely to then move towards eating a little bit more nutritionally, trying something mm. a little bit different. I don't think you can jump straight to that no. because you're just going to get turned straight off. So I'm almost sort of the pre-cooking. <laughs> and uh, uh, cook, cookbooks were uh, sort of wonderful things. But I'll take, give you an example of it. You know, in the cookbook, you have the the preparation time and the cooking time, and everyone has them. Yeah. But the preparation time only works if you're in the same sort of health as the person who wrote the book. Mm-hmm. Because I can't, why would I be able to do it at the same speed someone who does it, who doesn't have what I have? So immediately when I'm trying to do it in 15 minutes, I'm thinking, why am I not doing it as fast as they, why, why is it not working? Why am I not able to do it? And everything's going, no, 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 no. So just by adding an extra one, so I've the give yourself time. So I've got prep time, cook time, give yourself time. Give yourself time is like a, a buffer of time that yeah. you can add on any way you want but you've planned it from the beginning that you might take this long, not this long. Mm -hmm. So it just takes away a bit of that sort of pressure. And it's the things like that, that I've sort of added to the structures of recipes and how I share people to say, if you give yourself time, it means that today I might be able to do it in 20 minutes. Tomorrow it might take half an hour, but both of them are good. That's the sort of where we're going with it. But I love that as well, because I think you're right cookbooks when you they're incredible things it's beautiful that we have these things that we can pass down recipes and traditions and you know and yeah. share culturally but actually you're right that we do put like a little amount of pressure on ourselves for it to be the exact what's written on the paper yeah and if it's not it, it is it is immediately like oh i failed or it's catastrophe it's not going well or alternatively what's wrong with me and why am i not doing it right yeah and and take the take the pictures you get the glossy pictures of a dish so in my book i took the decision to put no pictures in it mm-hmm. which people are going you can't do that pictures sell books and i know they do but what i found was with my own experiences was when i opened this thing and looked at this wonderful dish i'd either say i can't make that or i'd try it and it looked nothing like it and then i'd yeah. be no matter how it tasted i'd still feel like i hadn't really done it very well mm-hmm. so i took the pictures out because i want people to feel that whatever you make it's right so it doesn't yeah. matter if I can have ingredients, you could have exactly the same ingredients and what we produce will look different. But it doesn't matter because whatever you make, it's right. Whatever I make, it's right. So, again, it's just saying 
you don't have to feel that it needs to look like something or whatever. I mean, I share some of my absolute disasters. They're hilarious, some of them. You know, I mean, I, I tried making vegan Yorkshire pudding and it came out like a crispy pancake. But it's okay because that's fine. It, years ago, that would have tipped me over the edge, but it doesn't matter now. It's actually the process of getting to it that I want people to celebrate. Not the last minute where it looks awful or you think, because that destroys all that wonderfulness that you've had before. Mm -hmm. So it's about recognizing that you've you've taken an hour to make this wonderful thing. The fact that it didn't turn out quite right at the end doesn't matter. You know, just remember all the great part that you had making it, not the last minute of thinking it's going to a crisp, because that's just the last bit. It's not all the bit before it. Yeah. And I love, I, t- I know I keep saying it, but I feel like that's such a good way to look at life as well, because yeah. we're all kind of given the same shit. I mean, like, you know, we're given life, right? And it tends to be pretty similar for everyone. We are kind of like our eyes all open and we wake up and we're like, oh my God, we're here. But what you like, you know, in terms of life and ingredients, like what you get and what I get could be similar, but what we do with them is going to be completely different. And that yeah. also applies to disability, particularly yeah. when you look at the restraints around how we navigate the world and and the adaptions that we have to make. So like our lives are going to be very different from those who are non-disabled because they don't have to think about adapting. That's not there for them. But yeah. I love that the pictures aren't included because I think that also means that everything you do is right, regardless. Yeah. There's no yeah. There's no restrictions where I think you know, for being disabled people, their restrictions are everywhere. You know, we're told what we can do, what we can't do, particularly by medical professionals who seem to love to be like, oh, you shouldn't do this. Or for example, physiotherapists who told me how to hold a yogurt pot that was going to be in my best interest. Definitely wasn't in my best interest. I can hold a yogurt pot how I want to, but we, you know, not having that picture to be like oh I'm comparing myself it's that comparison isn't it comparing myself to this and it doesn't look like this so therefore it's wrong well if the picture doesn't exist whatever you do is right yeah absolutely and it gives you a freedom that says right from the beginning to the end I feel free I feel like I've it doesn't matter how this goes and and that's really what I do with the tools that I'll give people is that Mm. I've got this sort of 12 steps to the happy stuff which is basically 12 sort of topics that you may need three of them one day you may need eight one the next day but it's just a little kit that you've got that says I need today if I'm going to cook I'm going to need these bits but it gives you the freedom to do that and it flexes with you so you don't think oh oh, you know this is for me and it makes me feel a bit like oh god he's doing this specially because I'm disabled it's not it's about giving you all of the options that you need Mm -hmm. and I think having that flexible kit for cooking is exactly what you say if you have that same approach to life because today I can't necessarily go out to a walk if yesterday I might have gone for a long walk but actually if if you apply that sort of approach of there are ways and means that I can do things each day to to achieve but not necessarily it doesn't have to be what I did yesterday and it doesn't have to be what I'm doing tomorrow but what I'm doing today is the best that I can for how I am today yeah, And that freedom of saying that, saying whatever I'm doing, it's right. It's a wonderful thing. And it's hard because it's not natural to yeah. feel that. And you, you have to work at it. And that's why chipping away at these little elements to say, actually, now that's okay. Now that bit's okay. And you suddenly feel like a, wow. And I got that sense when I first made something end to end. It was like, what the hell just happened? Nothing actually stopped me from doing it. Uh-huh. So it's just like, wow. And that, that whole approach 
has definitely mirrored into my life as well. And also my family, they know that what I can do one day might not be how it goes the next day, but they understand the sort of variables as well. So we work with that on a wider scale. So yeah, it does work a lot in, in wider life too. Do you know what I love the most about this? Is I, I like to think that I'm a bit of a rebel. I mean, the reality is I'm, I'm probably not, but I really like the idea that this is taking like the traditional stance of cooking and almost being like, fuck off. This is how we're going to do it. And actually, yeah. fuck your rules. They don't yeah. work. And I love that so much. It's, it's it's wonderful to be a little bit like rebellious because it's yeah. it's like, you know what? What you're saying doesn't work for me. Uh-huh. So why do I keep banging my head against the wall trying to do it when I know it's not going to work? So why don't we just rip it all up and start again? And that's really what happened. It was from all my head banging against the wall. Some, it was when my wife said to me, well, tear it up. If it doesn't work, don't do it. Let's try something else. And it's like, oh, yeah. And actually being able to tear those rules up and actually say, I'm not going to follow the way you do it, but I'm going to still be able to make something that's fantastic. And you might not be able to follow how I do it, but that's fine, you know. But I think this is it's a, it's a, it is a bit rebellious and it's wonderful it's because you start to feel a bit like excited about food as well. You feel a bit like, yeah. whoa, what can I do with this? And, and I say to people as well, try something new. You get very sort of stuck in making the same things over and over again. So just yeah. once every few weeks, just buy something a bit weird, you know, something a bit strange. <laughs> you know, go down the world food aisle and say, what the heck is that? And just get it. And it's hard because times are difficult, but just get something and go, right, I'm going to take that home and say, what do I do? Because it just, again, fires the creative juices. The rebellious side of you becomes a bit more fun. You know, even if you buy like the spiciest kimchi and think, what the heck am I going to do with that? Add it to some, you know, some beans, some baked beans, and all of a sudden you've got a completely new dish. That's yeah. cooking. That's exciting. And if it doesn't taste very nice, that's all right. It doesn't matter. What's the worst thing that's happened? You just give it to the kids. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know, but it is, it's just about firing, you know, continuously trying to fire the imagination and, and your creativity. Because I found that very sank inside me very deeply when I was first sort of struggling with illness. Mm-hmm. Um, so to be able to bring that out, in a way that is it's art as far as I'm concerned you know it's a, it's a creative yeah. art and it's just wonderful to be able to say right to, today I'm going to break the rules completely I'm going to put that in this well who says those rules were there we're right doesn't mm-hmm. matter you know constantly saying to people who are on my programs try something different you know if you don't like this ingredient put what you like in it it's yeah. not my recipe it's yours so you do what you want with it and if it works brilliantly, tell me, because I think that's fantastic. So, you know, it, it's like food just should be whatever you feel. And I love yeah. that. But when you feel shit, you don't cook. So if we can develop the feeling of happiness and pride mm. and joy, you're going to be more creative. So, yeah, it's and the rebellious side comes out, which is great. I honestly love that so much. I think it's just it's such a great way to be like. I'm going to do it how I want to do it. And it doesn't matter what your rules are, but it's going to work for me. And that's, and it doesn't look like how everybody else does it, but that's fine because it works yeah. for me. And that's why it's why we're here, isn't it? Like, and I mean, like yeah. in the wider sense of like why we're on this planet, which by yeah. the way is a floating rock. So everything isn't really real anyway. <laughs> and then don't, don't hide it. Yeah. You know, tell everyone, look what I've done. I've just made the first Yorkshire pudding with kimchi. <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah. 
I, I tried once to make a dish and it was supposed to be savory and it came out sweet, but I created this dish that was, that was the weirdest thing. But now it's like, actually, I, I don't know if I can do that again, but it was actually quite nice. And, yeah. and that's the one. And, you know, things like uh, when you're in when you're in the kitchen, I feel that everything's going in at you saying you need to be quick. You need to do this, you know, fast pressure, pressure, pressure. So take that away. And, and I, so I do a lot of my preparation at the kitchen table mm-hmm. because I can sit down. I'll feel more relaxed. I'll put the music on and I feel like there's less pressure on me. Why do you have to be in the kitchen to cook? Yes, you might have to be there to heat things and put it in the oven, but you can do your preparation anywhere. You know, you, yeah. I, you know those old tea tray on your lap. Why not? You know, who's to say that that's wrong? Who's to say that that's you know, not the way to go? If it works for you, do it. And and that's what yeah. I think is wonderful is that there are so many answers out there, but people just don't feel they're able to, to try them. So mm-hmm. if we can unlock that sort of feeling of let's give it a crack, and then it's amazing what happens. You know, people will try things and do different things. It could be ingredients, it could be utensils, it could be equipment, it could be where you are, it could be anything. But yeah. Those rules, if you feel that they're breakable, then you're on, you're off. So Yeah. Oh, like it's just it makes me so happy. Food just makes me so happy. Like I could talk about it forever. But what I'd like to ask you is like upon reflection and looking at everything that you've been through, do you have a piece of advice for your younger self who didn't necessarily know what was going to happen? Yeah, uh, definitely. It's get out of your lane. I was in a sort of in my lane of I work, I live and I played golf and that, that was it. And I, didn't see much what was going on around yeah and not not you know it wasn't a particularly narrow lane but it was a lane it's a bit like you know when you go 10 pin bowling and they put the barriers up at the sides yeah everything was going ding 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 and nothing was going outside of it and it was only when that by becoming ill that I started to look that way and Mm -hmm. see that there was a much bigger world out there of people and and things that were happening so when I was, if I'm looking back at my younger self, is you, you've got to look wider. The, the job you do is not the most important thing. Yes, it's important for your living, but around you is your family. Wider than that is friends. Wider than that is travel. Wider than that is people who are in in, in an unfortunate situation. Wider than that, there's and and that whole. It can be a bit like, oh, it's too big. But if you, if I look back and say, just start to edge out a bit wider try something different just try to do something a little bit more take the kids to go bowling or something and i don't mean tempting but i mean crown bowlings it's something nice but get out of that routine of that lane that i was in and because of what happened to me i blew that lane apart yeah it would have you know if that lane had been stretched a little bit then you know who knows what could have happened but Mm -hmm. i think that whole narrow sort of tunnel that i was in that I thought was a great life it wasn't yeah. <laughs> so it, it was it was great it was wonderful but it, it it's not anywhere near how I feel now mm-hmm. you know and I, I I was in a job that was quite well paid and it was really and, and that that seemed to be like yay I'm doing really yeah. well but I look back and I wasn't doing really well not not from mentally not physically and not from a family perspective I was very sort of so just yeah. to broaden that a bit, I think would be huge advice for me going back. But I also think that's such an in, like important thing to say because consistently 
um, maybe it's a generational thing. I don't know. But I know that a lot of people have always been like, stay in your lane. Mm. And actually, it's when you leave your lane, you learn a bit more. Yeah. And you yes. actually learn what you do and you don't like a bit more. Whereas if you're consistently staying in your lane the whole time, everything's the same. Yeah. Same I'll, people, I'll you, same I'll, place. You're, 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 from, you're sporting and you'll know this. So I love sports and I've all, I always loved them. And so not being able to play them as much is quite hard. Mm-hmm. But I used to be uh, watch the watch the football on a Sunday, the men's football, watch the Olympics, loved all that. Yeah. But once I started watching the Paralympics and and appreciating how incredibly amazing sports people these were, and it was like, wow, this is really interesting. And then I'd pick, I saw sports and I saw things differently. With the women's football, I've been following women's football for years and years. It's not, you know, it's wonderful how it is now, but I was watching it when it was, you know, 10 people and a dog. Yeah. And I love it. And now that, and that's what I mean by getting out of your lane a bit is, is, you know, I would play golf on a a Saturday and I'd watch the women's football on Sunday. It's actually, there are so many other people that you could be watching and enjoying Mm -hmm. uh, and supporting. And disability sport, I think, is just the best thing ever. I love watching it because of, how great and, and the competition is, but also the camaraderie is wonderful. And, yeah. and it's still, you know, it's full on brutal sports. But, <laughs> yeah. but then with, you know, things like women's football, women's rugby, it's just how sport to me, how it should be. And mm-hmm. and I love and I love watching that. And now I probably watch much more women's sport than I do men's sport because I just enjoy it more. Yeah. But and that's what I mean, just pushing those boundaries out a little bit and just appreciating that there are a lot more things than the bits that you 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 do you watch and I yeah. and just seeing that and appreciating it more and seeing how far people have come you know you know the when the women won the euros last year you know it was only 10 years before that that they were none of them were professional or, or none of them you know they're all working three or four jobs to try and get through and it's like wow these guys have really worked hard to get where they are and they're not paid anywhere near what's other people yeah. pay but look at how brilliant it is and and that's made me want to support more sort of yeah things like that things like you know, I follow all kinds of people on the internet now and, and watch stuff because I just love hearing about what they do and how they do it whereas before I wouldn't have got anywhere near that yeah and it is it's about like making your perspective as wide as possible within to the point where you're not going to be overwhelmed isn't it because I yeah. think what you said is so key is that actually if you do suddenly like look out all of a sudden like you know you do have your lanes up and then if you went to just get rid of them completely and look at everything I think you'd be like oh my god the world is freaking massive (laughs) and it would be overwhelming but you're right if you do just slowly start to stretch your lane or like you know take an interest in something you've never taken an interest in before you're right the world becomes a much more colorful place I think because we're all like staying in your lane is great if you know you're career driven and that's what you want to do that is amazing but there is also life outside of that equally I'm very aware that the privilege that I have in saying that that I can say that because sometimes it's not necessarily the option but if you can even just look a little bit outside your own scope then I think you'll learn something new and that's what we're here for you do and uh, yeah right you don't need to suddenly you know just take the blinkers off and all of a sudden it's like wow it, it's just you know just I would just say to my old to my younger self just try you know doing something a little bit that's a little bit different just yeah. something that's gonna be a bit more exciting and a bit more interesting and, and it, yeah. it could be anything and now 
for me, that's the buying the one thing in the world food aisle, you know, funny thing, because <laughs> yeah. it can be that small, that 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 thing of trying something new it doesn't have to be every day. It can be every so often, but it just gives you that, pushes the boundaries out a little bit more. Mm. And that sense of, of, of sort of roguishness sort of excitement is a wonderful thing as long as you can control it. Yeah. I like to think that, and we've actually touched on this topic, that through any form of hardship or hard time, you grow. And if you can look back at that time and notice a particular positive trait about yourself, then in some ways it has been worth it. And I was wondering, is there a particular positive trait that you've noticed about yourself that actually, upon reflection, you're really proud of? The one massive thing is this desire to help. Mm-hmm. I, I I thought that's what I had for many years. It was like, you know, I'm helping people by by through my work. You know, I'm mm-hmm. I'm giving, you know, their I'm providing a support network for their money to grow a little bit. And it's actually no, it's not that. And I think now this this joyous feeling of 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 one not not helping people, wanting to help people because mm-hmm. None of what I do is a, is a, is is has any financial sort of thing to it. It's all about I know what I went through, and I know what I'm still going through, and I know what my family go through. So if I can help someone with that, yeah, it's the best feeling ever, and it's more reward than anything I could ever have. And that trait that you know I had quite a selfish nature, mm-hmm. um, and 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 I look back and realise that I was quite you know quite selfish quite a lot of the time. So to be able to squish that down a bit and become a bit more aware of what's happening and start to help people is a, is a huge change. And but it's something that is just the most wonderful thing. I, I love it. And I love the fact that I could be talking to uh, one day people with FND, the next day I'm talking to people with long COVID, the next day I've got muscular dystrophy society, and everyone is interested in food. And it's not necessarily about you know, I live with this, I live with that, I live with this. It's like, well, let's find a way to help you to enjoy food. And that is just that feeling of bringing people together over a common, rather than dealing with everyone in their own lanes, is just like saying, well, we all need a bit of food. And even if, you know, we talked, you talked earlier about people who are tube fed, I've got a little secret thing going on at the moment where I'm working with someone about hopefully doing something for the tube fed community to help Uh them as well. So, there shouldn't be anything off limits and that's what that trait in me now that sort of selfishness has gone to openness of saying well let's try everyone let's try helping everyone you yeah know? And if, if people say no it's not going to work that's fine I don't yeah. mind but I'd rather ask and try than not try at all and that's a, that's a big change in my personality I love that because I'm a big believer in there's no such thing as failure it's just a feedback mechanism and I think if you can like instill that in your own brain, I think that makes it actually makes life a lot easier because you like there is no winning and losing. It's actually winning or learning. Yeah. And I love that because you're right. Food is the one thing that brings us all together, regardless of race, religion, sexual orientation, what language we speak. It doesn't matter. We all need to eat and we and everybody or vast majority of people I know do enjoy eating. Mm. and it's something we can all do together and I think that that's so great rather than being like you know this is your disability so this is what you can do this is your disability this is what you can do which is quite often what we get told anyway actually just completely bulldozing that and being like well let's see what we can do today all together all of us there are no rules here 
have a go is like amazing. Well, if 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 every not every but if every act in the kitchen can be flexed mm-hmm. to suit whoever, and it's like you know when the the mixing desks of the people singing and you've got all those buttons going up and down everywhere. I see yeah. it a bit like that. It's saying these are all the things that you need to do to be able to cook, but they might all be in different positions. And so for you with long COVID, we're up here, but actually with you with long COVID, these have changed and for this yeah. and that and that and that. And they're all different. And that sort of mixing de- desk of of sort of everything from you know what music you're playing to how you're feeling to what ingredients you're using. All bless you. <laughs> Bless you. Um, is all you. about you know giving everyone those options that says it doesn't matter who you are, how you're feeling that day. You might need all the buttons down here. You might need all the buttons up there, but you've got the buttons, and that's the point. So you yeah. can you know you can have a go. Oh, I love this. I honestly, I love this so much because it's so much of it. I feel like transfers into like life philosophy, which I find fascinating. Anyway, usually. I would go on to ask you about weird questions, but today I'm not. I'm going to ask you tips and tricks in the kitchen. I'd also quite like to ask you, what is your favourite breakfast to make? Oh, that's a good one. So I love, it depends how much time I I have, but I I love making um, French toast, which is uh, basically eggy bread with a bit of, you know, whatever on it, because it's just transforms a piece of bread to something completely different but it's actually not that difficult to do yeah um, but it can be difficult but it's something that you can do easily so I love that and and, and th- you know things like overnight oats where you've made them the night before and the, the next morning I, can't, I just can't do it but you've got something you've made so a lot of the breakfast I love making are ones that I've prepared for myself knowing that I might need it sometime in the future when I can't so things I've got in the freezer so I'll have a, some smoothies that I might have made and I'll make a little bit extra. So I'm not, you know, batch cooking is a frightening thing for me, but um, make a little extra and put some in the freezer so that on those days when I just can't do anything, I'll get one of those out yeah. and I'll thaw it. And I celebrate that as just as much as the day I made it because I still made it and I made it knowing that I might need it. So my best yeah. breakfast are the ones I've made for myself knowing that I'm going to need it at some point. That's the bit that I try and, you know, go with. But I love I love eating anything. I just eat too much. <laughs> but yeah, smoothies are great because you can play and do all kinds of things with them. Um, but sometimes it's nice to make something a little bit naughty. So I, I do like, um, you know, making some pancakes and things like that. Or, you know, sometimes the thicker ones, sometimes the thin ones, sometimes completely unintentionally thick or thin. They just turn out how they turn out. So, yeah. you know, but that's 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 what I like doing it and doing it with someone. So my my girls are 17 and and nine so they you know they enjoy cooking now and that that ability to for them to join me in making something is 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 just as wonderful as whatever comes out the other end yeah oh I love that right so what are your top three tips for kitchen and cooking so number one is widen your kitchen and, uh, and what I mean by not knock the walls down, I mean, <laughs> um, try and not think about the kitchen it's as the only place where you cook. Mm-hmm. Use whatever you've got around you. Use the table, you know, anywhere that you feel more comfortable. So widen the kitchen. Um, use your freezer is the next one I use, I say a lot. Um, because in my freezer, 
a lot of vegetables are like lethal objects. They, you try and <laughs> you take an onion, you try and peel and chop an onion. It's like this oh, it's a disaster. You know, things could. How many of my fingers are going to end up in the in the? I don't know. So, and they're really hard work. So I always have a bag of frozen, ready chopped onion that I've bought from the supermarket in, mm-hmm. and you can get the white ones and the red ones. Just how many dishes start with onion? Yeah. So knowing that I'm, I'm not going to be able to chop that onion, I don't want that to stop me making the dish. So mm-hmm. if I can get in my freezer and know I've got a bag of ready-made, it's ready chopped, is that cheating? Hell no. It's really clever. It's really smart because yeah. I don't know. I, don't, I can't chop an onion every day. So I want to still make that dish. And also you're not wasting because you're only using what you need. So mm-hmm. it's got it's got a joy to it. And that extends that whole use of the freezer extends to pre-chopped veg of any sort because veg can be really hard to, to prepare. You just take a stir fry. Stir fry yeah. is a full of wonderful veg. But crikey, if you're not working very well, your hands or your mind, it's hard work to try and prepare one. So if you get a bag of ready stir-fry vegetable mix, you've jumped ahead of that barrier that we're saying, I can't do this. So that's not cheating. That's really clever. So yeah. use it and, then, and use your energy towards cooking it and maybe a sauce rather than all the sort of the, the hour of trying to chop all the veg. Mm-hmm. So the freezer, I think, is a wonderful thing. And also that that the, the probably the last big tip I would give is to is to do a little extra cooking. So I mentioned it earlier. I used to be a batch cooker when I was well, and you, and now batch cooking fills me with horror because it's like I see loads of Tupperware going off into the distance and pots of chili go bubbling away. Yeah. <laughs> oh, here we go. Here we go, another one. And now I can't do that. And if you can batch cook, I think it's wonderful. It's a great thing to be able to do, but I can't do it. I haven't got the strength to be able to do batch cooking. So yeah. I do a little extra cooking. So if I'm making a bolognese, which I think I'll, I'll talk about bolognese in a second, but if I'm making a bolognese, I'll make a little extra than I need. So I'll maybe make you know two portions more than I need because yeah. I can still manage that. And then I'll put those extra bits in the freezer um, and that's done. And then I don't know when I'm going to need that, but there's going to come a day when I know I can't cook very well. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I get something out that I've already made, it could be almost done. All I need to do is defrost it, warm it up. Yeah. You're still cooking and you should still be really proud of yourself because not only did you make that, but you made it knowing you were going to need it. How clever is that? That's brilliant. Yeah. So I think that whole process of being able to help yourself when you don't sort of it's planning for the planned and planning for the unplanned. So if you can plan yeah. for the unplanned, then this is brilliant. And, and you feel so good about yourself because I feel awful. I can't cook today, but look what I've made. <laughs> so, yeah. Isn't this clever? And then, so a bolognese, I'm doing four, sorry, I'm going to come back. No, I love this. Let's take a bolognese. So a bolognese is, you know, traditionally with mince and whatever, and it's it's a wonderful thing, but you can make vegan bolognese, veggie bolognese, you can make any bolognese you want. Now, the great thing about bolognese, and this fundamentally cuts through all of my food that I make, is that it can be so many other things. So Mm. if you make a bolognese and you eat it as a bolognese and you put some in the freezer, if you get that out again and add some smoked paprika, some cayenne pepper, all of a sudden you're turning it into something Mexican. It's it's, yeah. it's become tacos, maybe. Add some beans, it's tacos. You can turn it into a lasagna. You could turn it into so many, a chili, so many different things, all from one dish that you made ages ago. Mm-hmm. So I try and help people say that don't look at a dish just as what you made it. What else could it be? 
what could it become? Because why not? Why does it have to just be what it says it is? So all my recipes have a ways to change on them. Mm -hmm. So things that you can do to it to make it another dish. So you don't get bored of it and you don't get, oh, God, he's making that again. (laughs) Yeah. Just by adding two spices or a tin of beans or whatever, it suddenly becomes a completely different dish. And that, I think, is one of the joys of being able to cook with a bit more of an open feeling of there's no rules here because it's taking something that I might have made three months ago and turning it into something else. And I that might be all I can do is add a, some kidney beans to it. But mm-hmm. what have you done? You've cooked a chili. Amazing. Yeah. So I think it's that openness of plan for the unplanned, widen your kitchen, use your freezer and just break the rules <laughs> and, yeah. and make make things whatever you want them to be and try it because what can go wrong not a lot or it might taste awful but who cares you know it doesn't yeah. matter you tried it and if I say to people if you try 10 things and one works then that one thing is what you focus on not the nine that went wrong it's the one thing that you've suddenly discovered that you can now use and the other things were just getting you to that one rather than mm-hmm. all the things that went wrong so yeah it's it's about a different sort of approach, I guess, to, to cooking. But also that really ties into what you said about opening your lanes. Mm. Because if you keep one dish as one dish, when actually it could be really versatile, then isn't that more beneficial? Yeah. I just think it all like it all ties so nicely together. And I think like what an amazing thing to be able to do is to be able to pass through that knowledge that you've got about cooking and and all these tips and tricks. And and for anybody who's listened to this, I really, really recommend going onto Ian's website and checking it out because there is like a whole 12 steps of like making your kitchen like a, an amazing place to be and hints and tips and tricks and everything. And I just think nobody actually teaches you these things when you become disabled or, you know, or you are disabled. Like for me, Mm. chopping an onion is a freaking nightmare. Like I don't have a hand to hold it. It can slip. It can slide. The amount of times I have cut myself with a sharp knife, cutting an onion is like, I I can count it more times than the fingers that I have on the one hand that I do have. And so to be able to be like, actually, no, like you don't have to do that. You can buy ready-made or you know or if you have the time and have someone who's in your house who can cut an onion get them to do it and then freeze it you know there are so many options and I I love that Mm. because like I said nobody gives you these tips and tricks and and you have to look them out and and what you're doing is is providing that service and I think that's amazing it's it's sort of giving people permission to to do things differently and and yeah to actually say that it's not wrong it's actually what was doing it was wrong what you're doing is right and yeah you're like, oh. and if you take you know take the onion and, and and you know another favorite thing is zesting everything zest of lemon zest of lime, <laughs> yeah. you know all this sort of stuff and you end up losing half your knuckles because you can't hold on to these yeah. things so and and things like you know zested ginger and and whatever but you you know if you get the tubes of ginger paste and garlic paste and you and have them in your fridge then they're another weapon that you've got for when you need them yeah and so tomorrow i might think yeah i might have a go at ginger but ginger's another one it's like a gnarly old thing it's impossible it's just like yeah you know, how are you going to do it so why not use something that's there and readily available um you know i, I try not to use any ingredients though you need to go to mongolia to try and find this weird one <laughs> you know that's not going to happen it's <laughs> stuff that you should be able to get at your corner shop and yeah and turning it into things you know and, and it's just how can you use 
tins and frozen and but also make wonderful tasty delicious dishes mm-hmm. that that's the that's where we need to get to but to get to that you need all these little bits to help you so it could be some you know really lovely right angled knives which are fabulous things and they look great they don't look like they're made for in a, for adapted purposes yeah. so you know using your steam a steam is the most wonderful thing in the world because boiling water and disability is dangerous yeah so you know if you can use a steamer it's got so many wins to it because it's it's got layers so you can put different amounts in it's got a timer on it so it tells you when it's done so when the brain fog hits you think when did I put that on I can't remember yeah it's, it's going to ping and tell you when it's ready and the boiling water's kept away but you're still cooking you're cooking safely and you're cooking really smart so it's just about every little thing that puts those barriers in front of you I've just tried to pull them away sometimes I'll pull them apart sometimes I'll just go straight through them because that's what it's all about it's just finding those little steps that says today I'm going to need these three tomorrow I need these five but as long as you know what they all are then you can use them as you see fit and then the food becomes the joyous part because you haven't got all the things saying you can't do this Mm -hmm. before you get there yeah oh I just, I think it's such a powerful message to take away is actually like rules are meant to be broken. Absolutely. You know, if, if there was um, a disabled cook on TV, then you know, <laughs> it, it needs to be there because there is, you know, otherwise you feel that you have to follow the rules of everything. You know, I watch, I love Saturday Kitchen. I love Sunday mm. Brunch, but they're making dishes not the way I would do it because I know I can't do it that way. Yeah. But why, why would that? I, I got some feedback the other day from people and because I've obviously been trying to help disabled and chronically ill mm-hmm. um, and that goes across such a broad spectrum. But um, there was a, a guy whose son uh, was going to university and he was there was he had no disability and no chronic illness, but he loved my book because he never cooked before and he was going away from home. And yeah. the, just the steps that it followed it allowed him to be able to to cook. So these rules can be, I think, for everyone. You know, why why should they just be for, for oh, yes, they help us, but I think we should have this on, you know, m- more mainstream because it's all about life as well. It's about how you live, about how you enjoy things. Yeah. It's about boosting your mental health. Why would that not be a good thing to yeah. talk about? I don't, I just, you know, anyway, we'll see. <laughs> I honestly, I completely agree with everything you're saying. And I don't think there's, I actually don't want to add to it because I think what you just summed up is perfect. Like it should just be for every day and everyone, because I think cooking can come with quite a almost like intelligent academic um, barrier to it because there are yeah. quite a few barriers to cooking. Like I don't care who you are. There are. Yeah, there are. And actually removing that makes it so much more accessible for everyone. And that's ultimately what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah. It is. I mean, before I got really ill, we just bought a new kitchen. Mm-hmm. And when I started to cook in it, I got so frustrated in it because it just didn't feel like it worked. But I've still got that same kitchen and I feel like I love it because I can cook in it. And it wasn't the kitchen itself that was causing it. It was all the blockages everywhere else that were yeah. were stopping me. So you know, I'll, when I am really need it, I just put my playlist on and I have it blasting and I'll sing like there's no tomorrow because it makes me feel better. Yeah. And that sense of feeling better is going to give me a better start to to want to cook. And that could be for anything. And, mm. you know, and I, I say to people when I'm doing presentations, don't put the breakup song on that one because it's probably not the best one. 
to have, you know, weeping as you try, <laughs> as you try to, to go for the songs that mean something to you and keep adding to them because the more you can create new memories that are associated to music or to food, the more you'll feel inclined to want to do things. So, mm-hmm. you know, all those years of awful memories that I have and my family have, they're all there, but I'm starting to layer on top new memories of doing this with you because you know when I just before we started I was listening to a song that song now reminds me of this and I'm going to put it on my playlist because it's going to go that was amazing what did we just do I just talked to you it's amazing and that song whenever I play it's going to make me feel happy again so why would you not have music going when you're when you're cooking you know and and different things so at the weekend I'll put a whole album on because I've got more time so I might be making something a bit longer, but today I need some I need some heavy metal because I've got to go a bit quicker. Yeah. But, you know, widen the kitchen, use what you've got, you know, just enjoy the hell out of it because why wouldn't you? You know, this cooking shouldn't be something that you hate or don't you have to do. I want you to want to do it, love to do it, and love to do it every single day. And if that happens, then hallelujah. Oh, I only have one final question for you. And that is, Ian, are you disabled and proud? Oh, hell yes. <laughs> I am. So, I mean, I said at the beginning, I'm the happiest I've ever been. And, I, I st- and I'm not the healthiest I've ever been, but I'm the happiest because I'm doing something that just fills me with, with joy in it. And I can see my family have some pride in me. You know, and, very, and, and so it's the, it, it's, I'm so proud to be disabled and I'm so proud to be part of a dis- an amazing community of people that we have yeah. you know it's just extraordinary and it never ceases to amaze me how wonderful everyone is even when you're in the worst of times it's still like oh I love talking I just love talking because as soon as you lay food on top of it all of a sudden it just takes away that let's just talk Let's just see what happens. Let's just share and share. And I love that. And I don't think that happens in many other communities of people where they, there's just this, there's just this, I know, I get it. I understand. You know, Mm. one week I had to to postpone one of my shows because I was just too ill. Mm. It wasn't like, oh my God, this is a disaster. It was like, yeah, we get it. But yeah, okay. (laughs) I am so, I mean, I'm genuinely, I am so proud. I'm doing, you know, I'm doing things now that I never thought. I could I would possible you know talking to you it's like the highlight of my of my year so far it's just like this <laughs> could never, this could not have happened so I just think there's just such a, a wonderfulness about being disabled yes it's bloody hard and yes it really you know there are days where you think oh, why but yeah. but you need that I think and and what what's happened with me is that I've started to widen the feeling of well yeah it's there but let's just try and do what we can with it as opposed to and and I just think that appreciation of of life of everything around you that widening of the barriers that's happened to me has only happened because of what's happened and and I think that I am forever grateful for being disabled and ill I really am because it's changed so many things in my personal life and my you know my wider life that would never have happened otherwise so yeah I'm hugely proud hugely I honestly have loved this conversation so much because I think we've, other than talking about cooking, we've actually covered so much more than that. We've spoken about mindset. We've spoken about like how to approach life, how to approach cooking, how like 
and it, it all they all kind of intermingle and it, it's like it's like a recipe in itself making a it dish is. at the end of it isn't it and like yeah. i honestly have loved this conversation so much i'm so thankful that you've come on this podcast because i think this has just been such an insightful episode and just thank you so much for coming on the podcast i've absolutely loved oh, it. No, it honestly it's just a joy talking to you because it's just you know, sharing things and talking and, and listening. And, you know, as an offer to you, if you ever want me to come back, we'll do, we'll make something on one so we can cook something together, if you like. Oh my God, I am obsessed. Absolutely. So Absolutely. We can, we can take everything I've talked about and actually turn it into reality. So, you know, maybe if you ever want to, we'll do it. Oh my God, guys, I'm so excited. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love food. <laughs> so tell you what, you, you can decide what we want to make and we'll make it. Anything that you don't like or you find really difficult to make or is a real struggle, you tell me what it is and we'll do one. I love this. Oh my goodness, guys, you heard it here first. It's able and proud cook along. I cannot wait. <laughs> Ian, it's been amazing having you on today. I really enjoyed it and I can't wait for the cook along. Yeah, it's going to happen. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute joy, honestly. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Disabled and Proud. If you've enjoyed the show, then please give it some love by leaving us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts. It really helps us to reach more and more people each week. Plus, if you've got a particular highlight, then I'd absolutely love to hear it. Tag me on your Insta stories at Disabled and Proud Podcast.